Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you live or work in Detroit and have driven around this city, you may have noticed a series of tiny homes, just a couple hundred square feet of living space, nicely maintained over on the west side of Detroit. It's the work of Reverend Faith Fowler, who has been working to build the Tiny Homes program to give a proper residence to people living in extreme poverty and homelessness in Detroit. Uh, Faith Fowler has also written a book about the things she's learning about uh, poverty and homelessness in this experiment over on the west side of Detroit. She joins us now to talk about that project, and in a little bit we're going to talk about the hurricane relief she's involved in in Puerto Rico. But uh, Reverend Faith Fowler, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Yes, it's good to talk to you, too. Uh, we, we have talked briefly about this uh, this project on the program, uh, I believe, before it got really going. I mean, it was, it was an idea, and you were working on it. I don't think it was quite open yet. Uh, and I know, though, that I have seen in recent months uh, a lot of coverage, media coverage, of mm-hmm. this project. And you've got, you've got people living there. This is becoming a new community here in the city of Detroit. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Actually, the social media coverage has been uh, mind-boggling. We, we've had two videos that hit have had um, 71 million views in less than a year. Wow. So wow. I know, I know. So you can imagine what has happened to my inbox. Um, uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, people are coming from all over. I'll say to a resident, uh, who did you meet today? And, and she said yesterday, North Carolina. So uh, it gives you a sense that it really has become a magnet uh, for people in the region, but also beyond. Um, we have seven houses done and occupied, and five more are under construction right now. So we're about halfway through with the first phase that'll be 25 homes. Yeah, yeah. And and the idea here, if, if, if memory serves, is that we have lots of ways to deal with uh, temporary uh, solutions mm-hmm. to, to, to homelessness, right? We have shelters. Right. We have other kinds of programs. But there isn't a whole lot of focus uh, at the government level or even at the nonprofit level on the idea that the best solution for people in this situation is some sort of permanent home and that that if you build it uh, the way that you guys are doing uh, over on the west side of Detroit uh, the, with these tiny homes, that, that it becomes a more economical way to even think of that. Right. Um, we're pretty good at helping people get along uh, to, to get off drugs, to get back on medications for uh, mental health issues, to find work, to reconnect with family. But the next time they have a crisis, they'll be in trouble again because they don't have very much money. Um, so we're targeting people who make eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars a year, and giving them a chance not only for some place that will be permanent, but some place they can own, so that they develop an asset or obtain a, a ladder to economic mobility, mm-hmm. which is at the heart of a you know the American dream that that so many folks have felt locked out of. Um, in recent years. So, yeah. so that's really it, that it's a way to establish wealth and a way to have privacy and dignity and autonomy and community all at the same time. Yeah. The, the, the community end of that is the thing that 
I, I find the most interesting because I, I feel like one of the things that poverty uh, and, and lack of permanence robs people of is that sense of community. And that's super important to the stability you need if you're trying to get from uh, you know, a homeless uh, situation to, to a housed one. Right. So the the homes are going on the northern edge edge of our campus, so um, they have a pedestrian life. Well, they do before that. It's just they have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can walk to many services if they want to or need to, um, and have neighbors that they know. It's built into the program, um, and for for many people, not just formerly homeless, but seniors who uh-huh. are living alone, mm-hmm. or students who've aged out of foster care and don't have uh, sort of the social safety net that most of us have enjoyed. Um, they really have started to weave together in a wonderful way, although they have very different backgrounds and experiences. Yeah, yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is the Reverend Faith Fowler. She's the executive director of Cass Community Social Services and pastor of Cass Community United Methodist Church in Detroit. We're talking about the Tiny Homes Project she has going over on the west side of Detroit. Uh, it's an a- attempt to try to give proper homes, proper residences to people who are living in extreme poverty and homelessness here uh, in Detroit. She has written a book about what's going on there called Tiny Homes in a Big City. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the work Faith is doing uh, to help relief efforts in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. If you want to join the conversation, have you seen this tiny homes village over on the west side of Detroit? Uh, what have you thought about it? Have you thought about what that was uh, and and wondered uh, what was going on there? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation, um, Faith. Uh, the 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 hurricane relief work that you're doing, uh, I think, is also quite interesting. Uh, tell us tell us what that looks like. Sure. Well, it actually grew out of the tiny homes. Right. The tiny homes are all electric. Um, there's no gas into the building at all, and so we worried that should we lose power here, people could go for a long time without being able to plug anything in. So. <laughs> We worked with the men in our green industries, which is a program that provides jobs and recycles a variety of things, to um, pull together a very primitive solar generator so that um, the houses could you know, put on lights and fans and that sort of thing to get them through the, the outage. And then Maria hit uh, Puerto Rico. Um, we have some connections with people in Puerto Rico. And... Uh, I thought, well, this is crazy. They're going to be without electricity for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see if we can take some down there. And uh, originally, my hope was to take fifteen one five. I put a picture up on Facebook, and within a month, we had enough money to make fifty. And um, flew some of it down there and took some of it with us on the plane because I was worried the things would end up just sitting in the harbor. Um, And in fact, not everything arrived when we did, but uh, we had enough to get going and uh, went to some churches on the hardest hit part of the island and said, tell us who needs help. And they did. Um, Folks were very happy. To to get to the southeast side of the island, you had to drive over downed um, telephone wires and electric wires and part of the roads washed out. So it really hasn't been restored at all there. 
um, the the first place we went, the pastor um, let out a squeal, and I thought something was wrong. She said her generator had just died two days ago from exhaustion. Wow, wow. And I said, well, you know, you certainly can have one for the church or two even. And she said, that's wonderful because power isn't expected to be restored until March. Wow, wow, March. So now you get the sort of desperation that people are in, the five months without electricity, which of course means no refrigeration in some places, no way to heat food, right. no way to have light to do anything at night. Um, so so folks are depressed. There, There is electricity in San Juan, but it goes on and off. Uh, there are no street lights, so um, just driving somewhere is a bit uh, chaotic. Um, uh, communication is sparse and, and sporadic as well. You'll see people pull to the side of the road just to, because they can connect to um, their, their phone or their Internet. Um, so it's nowhere near back together, and, and, and the larger grid is just, I don't know when it's going to be yeah. ready for people again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Chris in Detroit. Chris, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks so much. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I wanted to call in and see if you're. Uh, I'm first off, uh, really excited about the the community of uh, of tiny homes. I think you know that's that's a really um, uh, excellent solution. But I was curious if you could discuss a little bit more some of the design solutions and kind of the the thought process that went in. Only because in in my ex- my understanding of tiny homes, sometimes they can end up being a little more expensive because everything that goes in has to be custom to that space, which means that you, you know, everything, you can't buy off the shelf products. Uh, but I was wondering if there's an architectural or design process that you could share a little bit about how you kind of ended up with the structures you yeah. guys built. Great question, Chris. So thanks for the call. Faith Fowler, uh, go ahead and, and give him an answer. Yeah. So we actually are doing every house uh, different on purpose, and it is a little more expensive to do it that way. You could put up the same house or the same three houses over and over and over again, but I decided uh, not to do that thinking that poor people tend to live in pretty nondescript, identical um, beige housing, and um, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily inspire pride. So we purchased some architectural plans off the Internet, Others, we approached architects to do architectural plans for us because we found pictures that we liked but couldn't find any plans. And then finally, we've had some um, firms and individuals draw for us uh, brand new houses. They're actually going to let us sell their plans when we're done uh, to generate a funding stream for the tiny houses going forward. Um, It isn't so much... um, that we're having to to purchase smaller items as much as you still have expenses you can't get away from. In other words, um, the foundation is is roughly fifteen thousand dollars, and you, and you can't get away from it. You have to bring in the utilities, and that's almost seven thousand dollars, and and there's no way to escape that cost. But the rest of the house, we're able to keep. Um, the expenses down by utilizing volunteers. They do the drywall, the flooring, the cabinets, the countertops, the painting, the landscaping. So all of those labor costs help us um, keep them down. We're, we're running $45,000, $50,000 a house on the next round. We've had more volunteers to do things we used professionals for originally. So I, I suspect we'll be able to get it down to thirty-five, maybe forty, mm-hmm. um, which is which is the price of a, a luxury car, quite frankly. Right. Um, 
and and it's something that's permanent and potentially will appreciate in in value for the people who will own them, and that has us excited. Yeah. Okay, uh, Reverend Faith Fowler, Executive Director of Cass Community Social Services and Pastor of Cass Community United Methodist Church here in Detroit. Thanks, as always, for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Uh, Up next, we'll talk about a local collaborative that's working to tackle the impact of climate change here in Detroit. Stay with us on Detroit Today.